Jesus. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. This is, this is terribly uh, significant that we understand how important it is individually. This is a message to you. I, people come around sometimes and say, Preacher, are you preaching to me? Yeah, I sure was. Somebody said, Preacher, are you preaching at me? Yeah, I sure was. I don't care how you take it as long as you take it. Get the message and let it be known I'm not aiming at your feet. He was the boy who stepped on my toes. I'm aiming at your heart. Aiming at your heart. Look, folks, one of these days we're going to judgment about how we did and why we did this thing called Christianity. And I want, hey, I want us all to hear him say, well done. If you agree with that, say amen. And ye yourselves liken the men that wait for the Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come at the second watch or come at the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be Ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Father, we're thankful for the privilege of being in the house of the Lord, the house of prayer. We're thankful, Lord, for the gathering in of thy people. We're thankful for what we've heard in the Sunday school and the, and the singing of the choir, the testimonies that have been given. And Lord, we're thankful for how our heart is stirred heavenward today. Oh, Lord, we know that you've been here once. We believe you're coming again. And help us, Father, to not only hear the message you have given to us, but to heed it as we continue to live for you, learn of you, look for you, and long for your coming. God, that's what ought um, to be on our heart and on our mind. Lord, if there's anybody in this place lost, I pray that you would convince them of their need of Jesus, convict them of their sins, and do the work of conversion that only you can do. If there's somebody in here, God, just simply playing church, I pray that you'd bring them under old-fashioned conviction, help them to realize they need a salvation and a relationship, God, to make judgment uh, manageable. Father, just bless your people, encourage us, challenge us, enlighten us, and enable us. And we give you the praise for all things. We ask in that name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all of God's people said, Amen. Look at verse 40, just the beginning of that verse. He said, and it is a command, it is an admonition, it is an encouragement. You put the label on it you want, but he said, be ye therefore ready. So I'm going to preach on this question, this message out of that verse. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? Say, yeah, preacher, I am. Well, I hope you are. I, I believe you are. And that, Listen, friend, that could cover a lot of territory, and I think I'm going to try to cover some of it today. 
I want you to know I think this is an amazing parable that Jesus gives us as he comes from chapter 12. And I'll say more about this in a minute, maybe the Lord willing. When he had put uh, the Pharisees and the lawyers, the PhDs of the law of Moses in their place. In fact, friend, in this chapter, he does the remarkable things. You know what he does? He deals with the hypocrite. He deals with the covetous. He deals with the faithless. And he tells us who are looking for the Lord to come how that we ought to be waiting, watching, working, and accept the warning. It is an amazing chapter. And from this parable about a wedding supper and what the steward of a household is expected to do, God is going to tell us and give us a message, I believe, that we ought to consider and to take to heart. Especially in light of the fact that Jesus is coming soon. There's no doubt again in my mind that the next great prophetic event that happens on God's calendar is the snatching away of the church. It may be morning, maybe night, or maybe noon, but one of these days, hallelujah, we that are saved are going to clearly hear the sound of the trump, the voice of the archangel. We're going to see a door open in heaven and immediately we're going to be gone. And I long for that day. I'm telling you, I, I look for that day. I'm like that woman I hear was over at the Charleston Mountain Mission in, in Charleston, stood up and testified in a bonnet and in an apron. That's how long ago it's been. She said, I want y'all to know I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for one in the sky. Amen. I like that kind of thinking. I believe he's coming, and I believe with all of my heart he's coming soon. This parable, friend, is taken from the idea of a, of a wedding ceremony in the Orient, in Israel, actually. And I want you to know that, listen now, everybody listen to this. I've got to give you this so you won't think I'm, I'm, I'm doing injustice to the Word of God. This, this is mainly speaking of Israel. This parable mainly speaks and deals with the nation of Israel. Let me tell you this. Wait just a minute. The principles that I'm going to look at are applicable to you and I. They're applicable, friend, not only when Jesus comes in His revelation, but in His rapture. I want you to know there's things that you and I can learn about waiting, watching, working, and heeding the warning that God has given to us. We need it. We need it without a doubt. If you don't, son, ma'am, I do. Without a doubt, I absolutely do. I believe with all of my heart, uh, listen, friend, uh, God wants us to get something out of this message. But look, friend, look, although, although he, he, the, the Word of God says, be therefore ready, and many people are, many people would be, there's no doubt in my mind. My question of this, my text for this, as I've tried to figure it out by the grace of God, is to provoke, is, is not to doubt. I've got confidence in all of you. But I'll tell you what, every now and then we need stirred. Every now and then we need to stop and take inventory of ourselves. We need uh, to examine ourselves to see whether or not we be in the faith. That's Bible, by the way. It's in your book. It's in your book. You ever take inventory of yourself? Boy, brother and sister, I do. Hey, I, I don't want any surprises on that day. Amen? I, I mean to tell you, there's a lot of people who have funny thoughts about, about the right 
rapture. We've got, we've got the pre-tribulation rapture. That's me and you here at Roxalana since I'm your pastor. We've got the mid-tribulation rapture. We've got the post-tribulation raptures. We've got all sorts of things, the partial tribulation raptures. Hey, I'll tell you what, I don't want any surprises. Like I've told you before, David Cook says, when I hear the tune, I'm going to scoot. I'm gone, I'm out of here, and I'm glad to know that. Now, although the rapture is going to be a surprise for some people, and I'll say more about this in a little bit, it ought not to be for us. The Bible says he's coming as a thief in the night. Now look, there's mixed ideas about, is that referring to the rapture when he comes to the church? Is referring uh, to the revelation when he comes? Hey, do you know what? They ought to be able to figure out uh, pretty close even to the day when the revelation is going to happen. But can I tell you, I do know this about the thief when he comes. He's going to just take the jewels. Oh, let me say that again. When the thief comes, he's only going to come and take the jewels, thank God. He's talking about the church, that pearl of great price, if you will. Thank God. I'll tell you what, friend, listen, we need to be ready. Now look, I've already told you in this parable Jesus deals, or in this chapter, and in this parable Jesus deals with many, many things. Let's look in verse 1 of chapter 12, and maybe down through verse 2, listen to this, in the meantime. As I told you, Jesus had just shut down the Pharisees, just shut down the lawyers. I mean to tell you, he used harsh language. And in this chapter, friend, there's a multitude of people that are following him. Innumerable multitude of people, and so much as they trod one upon another, he began to say unto the disciples, watch this now, first of all, he said, of importance, of primary importance, he said, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy or hypocrisy can I tell you we don't hear much about that anymore do we hey listen friend just because we don't hear about hypocrites in the church doesn't mean there isn't any I mean to tell you hey if, if, if you witness to people let me tell you what a lost person will say I'm not coming down to that church there's too many hypocrites well, you know, bless God, that may be true, but they don't have a bit of problem going to Kroger's and Walmart and the ball game with that same bunch of hypocrites. It amazes me what excuses people I drum up and bring up. But listen, friend, here it is. Hypocrisy is a real problem, especially for the person that is. Now, I know we're not going to get much shouting here right now, and that's okay. But it's a serious thing to be a play actor, to wear a mask, to hide behind a profession without having any possession. And listen to what he goes on to say. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. We don't hear much about this. But when I was growing up, uh, bless God, I even preached it a whole lot. Shame on me for not preaching it much lately. We used to hear this verse of Scripture, be sure your sins will find you out. We used to hear that verse out of Galatians. The other one is from Numbers, by the way. Out of Galatians, he said, you're going to reap what you sow. If you reap to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. Reap or sow to the Spirit, you shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. He said, well, nobody knows I'm a hypocrite. Yeah, somebody does. 
You may have the pastor fooled, the deacons fooled, your Sunday school teacher fooled, uh, your friends fooled, your wife, your husband, your friends, your workmates. You're not fooling God. You are, and by the way, you know what I believe? You're not even fooling yourself. Listen, sin, although it, it, it doesn't seem to be thought of this way, sin in 2022 is still sin. It's open scandal in heaven. We might think we covered up and got it hid and, and we're really uh, good at, at, uh, at uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I know what I can't get it, but I'll tell you what, friend, God knows it. God knows the thought and the intent of our heart. You say, well, preacher, it's not hitting me. We ought to be saying praise God right now. Amen. You know what, friend? If you're playing the hypocrite, you're not ready. Amen? If you're playing the role, you're, you're just simply not ready. Acting like a Christian but not a Christian isn't enough. You've heard me use silly illustration. Listen, coming to church is good. I believe people ought to come to church. It's the right thing to do. I believe people ought to come to church. Y'all did hear that, didn't you? I believe that with all of my heart. Now, if I wanted to make somebody mad, I'd say you ought to get her on time. You ought to come to Sunday school. You ought to be here Sunday night and Wednesday night. But I'm so godly, I wouldn't think of saying things like that from a pulpit. Never, never would I say anything like that in the pulpit and upset people. God help, I'm just not that kind of preacher. Hey, you can stay in a garage all day too, but it doesn't make you a car. Listen, friend, there's the real thing. And then there is a fault. Listen, professing Christianity is not being saved. You need to possess Christianity. Naming the name isn't enough. We've got to know Christ as our personal Savior. Now look, let me tell you something. If there's not a day and an hour in your life that you can remember, now, you may not be able to do the calendar thing like I do April 23rd, 1974, long about, eight, about, long about 8.30, about 8.38, somewhere along through there. You may not be able to do that. That's all right. But you ought to at least remember there was a time and a place where you repented of your sin and received Christ as your Savior. You ought to remember getting under conviction and saying, Oh, God, if you don't save me, I'll die and go to hell forever. You ought to remember that. We don't sing very often anymore. I can tell you now the time. I can take you to the place where the Lord saved me by His marvelous grace. We need to have an understanding of those things in our heart. I'll tell you what Jesus did in the last part of chapter 12. Again, I've already told you, but, but, but I've got to emphasize. I've got to be obedient to the Lord. He unmasked hypocrisy. Can I tell you, friend, it's better. Everybody listen to me right now. Say amen. It is better to have your sins go before you into judgment than to have them follow after you. Oh, y'all just acted like you didn't even know that scripture. That's in your book too. It's better to send them on ahead. It's better to have them cleansed by the blood instead of being there before the judgment bar of Christ and giving answer for them. 
It's better to get right in this life and know it than to find out in the other life you've never been right. Look, friend, I'm going to tell you, he not only said hypocrisy is bad, but he said covetousness is bad. I wasn't going to cover this, but, but, but I've got to. Look, look, look at what he said. Maybe, may, may, look at what he said over here in, well, in verses 19, 20, 21. It, and this, is the, this is the parable of the rich young fool who had all kinds of a bumper crop one year. He said, he saw what I'm going to do. He said, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, and be married. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then whose things shall these be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure himself and is not rich towards God. Can I tell you, friend, listen, if all you've got is in this life and you don't have nothing ahead in the next, you're in trouble. If that's all you're planning for, if that's all you're thinking about, is the here and the now. You're in trouble. You, hey, you can remedy that today. Thank God. You, you can change that perspective in a heartbeat. You can change your balance sheet. Thank God. You can get right to the bottom line. Something that will happen for eternity. And look, look at verse 35 and 36. Let your loins be girded about, your lights burning, and you yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. When he returned from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, that you may open unto him immediately. Let me tell you something. Look at that phrase. Pay attention to the last phrase in verse 36. I was reading this the other day. I don't know how many times I've read the book of Luke. First gospel I ever read through was the book of Luke. I don't know why, but I remember after I, after I was saved, that's the first gospel that I remember reading through. It's the longest. I don't know why I chose that one, but it is. But look at that last phrase in verse 36. Look at it. Pay attention to it. He said that they may open unto him immediately. You ever, you ever watch a movie and uh, it's a detective movie and there's a murder mystery and something's gone wrong and, and somebody comes and knocks on the guilty party's door or, or, you know, somebody's investigating, they come knock on a door, and the person on the inside says, who is it? Now what they always say? Well, it's the police, or it's Johnny Dollar. Y'all remember Johnny Dollar? Y'all remember that old radio show? He was an he was a, he was a, uh, insurance detective. Yeah, Johnny Dollar, you know. Uh, you, you know what they'd say? Well, wait a minute. You know what they'd do when they say, wait a minute, the camera would switch the other side of the door. They'd be cleaning up things. They'd be putting things up. They'd be throwing things like Josh and Courtney did in another room when, 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 when company comes. The reason I said that, he's preaching from the pulpit. Right? You clean up one space and, okay, what can I, I've learned from the master. I mean, you get the picture? you're not ready for your company you're not ready for them to come in you want them to stay outside as long as possible because you're trying to get something in order and then when you think you have you open the door and say come in it's too late then listen now get this if you don't get anything else out of this message we are to be waiting. The question is, are you ready? Well, if you are, you are waiting for the Lord. 
And if he were to come now and knock on your door, you would immediately open up and say, come on in. You ever been waiting on somebody? You ever been waiting on them? It's kind of the idea, if, if I got it right, friend, you're, you're expecting them. Listen, friend, you know what? Listen, if, if you can't open the door immediately, hey, if, if, if you can't pray, Revelation 22, 21, even so, come Lord Jesus, you're not ready. If you can't pray the prayer, John prayed after he heard Jesus say three times in that last chapter. He said, behold, I come quickly. If you can't pray what John prayed, even so come, Lord Jesus. I wonder if you're ready. Are y'all doing okay? Are y'all praying for me? It's all just need to know. I don't care if you're saying much or not. Just need to know you're praying. If you are, say something. All right. I need help on this one without a doubt. You aren't ready. If you know if he were to come right now, you'd be ashamed at his appearing. Turn to the book of 1 John chapter 1 or 2 and read with me verse 28. One of my favorite verses of Scripture. This verse is amazing. Listen to this. You're not ready. If you know if he were to come today, you'd be ashamed. Now look, let me confess up. I'm not preaching above you. I'm preaching to you. There have been, unfortunately, times in my Christian walk that I would have hated for the Lord to come because I would have been ashamed. I'm even ashamed to tell you that I would have been ashamed. But I'm going to be honest with you. And I think if you would be honest with yourself, there are times that if God would have come sent His Son to get His church, you were into something. If He would have caught you, you would have been ashamed. That's hard to fess. Maybe it's fess up Sunday, you reckon? Fess up. That'd been a good, that would have been a good name for today. Listen to what he said. He said, now little children, verse 28, 1 John chapter 2, now little children abide in him that when he uh, shall appear you may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. If you aren't ready to immediately open the door, if you can't pray even so come Lord Jesus friend listen, if you know you're ashamed if he would appear right now, you're not ready. You're not ready, friend, listen. If, if what you leave behind is greater than what's ahead for you. Look at the book of Philippians chapter 1. And look at, look at uh, uh, verse 21. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, right after the book of Ephesians. Paul said this, there's a man that had been in heaven. He said, for me to live is Christ. Well, I can stop right there, leave two words out of this passage and leave them blank and preach a message right here on the side. Listen, he said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Hey, you're not ready. If you say Jesus coming right now wouldn't be a gain to me, I'd lose too much. Can I be honest again? There are times that I was in that category. I never forget when I was young. Er. Yeah, like I'm young. Nothing young about me but my memory, you hear? I, 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 I've judged how I've grown in the Lord in relationship to my thinking about Him coming. When I first got saved, I wanted Him to come. 
I was happy I was ready when he came. But I wanted you to maybe wait a little bit so I could experience X, Y, Z. Like maybe having a child. Maybe becoming a grandfather or something like that. You, you, you know what you think. Then I thought, well, I thought a bit longer, I grew a little bit, and I'd, I'd say, well, Lord, I want you to come and deliver me out of this mess. Now, that's a pretty good prayer. I'm, I'm looking forward to being snatched out of this mess, as Steve Arnott mentioned about. It is a mess, Steve, and getting messier. But you know what? That's not enough reason. You know where I'm at now? I am at the place I want the Lord come for this reason, this reason only, for Him to be vindicated. See, listen, friend, His coming isn't about me, though it is for me. It involves me. I've got a part in this. Are you all getting what I'm saying? I may not be communicating it correctly, but hey, I want the world to see that He is who the Word of God says He is. And we've tried to proclaim who He says He is. I want Him to be vindicated. I don't need to be. It's not about me. Now, you're all young, you all are young and having desires are perfectly legitimate. I'm just trying to illustrate you how I've tested my spiritual maturation along the way in my relationship to how I want the Lord to come and why. So look, friend, you're not ready if you don't have a few things at, at, at right. Now look, remember, he's talking about he's talking about the steward of this house, okay? And listen to what he said. Look at verse 35. He gave him two clear, three clear instructions. Let your loins be girded about, your lights burning, and you're waiting for the Lord to come. You, you know what the idea, let your loins be girded? The, the loins are the strong parts of your back. These places where you got those love handles if you're old enough. Just right above your hips where the strength of your body is. And when they used to wear the clothes they did and still do in the Middle East, they had what they call a girdle. I never will forget when I first got saved, all I knew anything about a girdle was my grandmother's girdle. I could not figure out why in the name of God a man would want to have one of those, let alone wear it. You, you understand I me? Mean, isn't that pitiful? A girdle was just simply a belt, some kind of a, 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 a sash that was written that, that they had tied around their belt. And, and if they needed to be busy or even would run, and old men wouldn't run, although the prodigal son, they'd reach down and pull that skirt up of theirs and tuck it down in their, tuck it down in their girdle. That way they could be working. He said, let your lights be shining. Somebody mentioned in the Sunday school this morning, we're witnessing, or before it was in a Sunday school hour, we're, we're witnessing. Our light is shining. Just want to make sure it's shining the right way. And he said, be waiting. Now look, there's another part to this. Look at verse 37 and on down through 40. I'm not going to read all of them. But look at what he said. He said in verse 37, Blessed are those servants, stewards, householders, people that have responsibility, people that have uh, 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 opportunity, people that have uh, accountability. Are you with me? He said, blessed are those servants when the Lord, uh, whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. They were to be waiting. They were to be watching. They were to be waiting up. They were to have the lights on. They were to, they were to be looking in anticipation for their Lord to come. You know what to watch means? Simply means to watch. To be ready, 
not to be surprised. Now, on that day, when, when, the, when the marriage uh, happened, friend, these, these householders wouldn't know when their master was going to come. They were just simply responsible to be ready whenever it was. If it is in the third watch, you read that, or in the fourth watch, they are to be ready. They are to be watching. And you know what watch means? It means to be alert. It means to be expected. And I'll even add my idea of it is even to be excited about his return. When you get time, mark your note. Turn over to the book of 1 Thessalonians. Read chapter 5, verses 1 through 6 and see what that speaks to you. Number 3, look at verse 42 and following. He said in verse 42, And the Lord said, "When, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? Blessed, in verse 43, is that servant whom his Lord, when he come, shall find doing. Listen, friend, are you waiting? Are you watching? Are you working? If you aren't, you're not ready. Now this passage, verses 42 down through 48, has something very significant. Look at verse 46 with me, if you will. The Lord of the servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware, and he will cut him asunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Oh my. Does that get anybody else's attention but mine? Now let me tell you two things about that, two possibilities. I believe both to be true. I've looked at this. I've, I've tried to study this out. I've tried to understand it. I've tried to decide and discern if there is one that would be above the other. But listen now, the steward, if he fails to watch, is not ready. And that's a sad possibility. Y'all have heard of the church of some um, Sardis, haven't you? That was the name that lives and aren't dead. If I remember correctly, if I've got my churches right, and I believe I do, Sardis was built on a plateau. And the access to that place was so great, and it was such a fortress, that one man could guard it. Two times in the history of Sardis, that city was breached and an enemy overtook them. And do you know why? Does anybody know why? Because the watchman did what? Went to sleep. That is, failed to watch. Listen, be ye therefore ready. Be ye there. I, you know what? I was excited about this message. I still am, but I didn't expect quite this kind of response from you all. We ought to be ready. Hey, folks, he's coming. I believe, listen, that, that, it's, in, that it's in hearing distance. Ah, he said, now watch this. Cut him asunder and appoint him with a portion with the unbeliever. Let me tell you the two things that I believe that he's talking about. Number one, number one, it's just that. He'll have his portion with the unbeliever because that's what he is, an unbeliever. He was the hypocrite, you remember? He was the actor, the one that wore the mask, the one that hid. 
When the master was there, he was one thing. When the master was gone, he was something else. When he was in public, he was one thing. When he was home private, he was something else. It's not that a man was saved and loses his salvation. Y'all know I believe in the security believer. So it's possible that this man, the reason he has his portion with the unbelievers, is he's simply an unbeliever. Number two, it could be, it could be that he was a believer. But listen now, it was somebody, friend, it was, it was somebody who was simply unfaithful. And if you would take time later to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you'll find that there are people who will have a saved soul at the judgment seat of Christ, but a lost life. They are saved by the grace of God, but the works that they perform, the life that they live, the attitude that they had, won't cut the mustard or the flames of fire that our Lord has in His eyes when He begins to judge the hearts of man. This is pretty close. I know it is. I'm trying to help you. It's the book. So, are you ready? Are you watching? Are you waiting? Are you working? Here's some of the best words that a preacher can ever give to a congregation, especially on a morning like this. In closing, let me ask you one more question. Are you hearing and will you heed the warning? I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad for God's grace and His mercy. I'm glad for His long-suffering. And I'm glad for the multitude of times that God warns us. Can I tell you what the Word of God says? It is the goodness of God that leadeth us to repentance. Hold on before you start playing when you say it, sis. It is the goodness of God that leadeth us to repentance. Now, God's not past judging. He does, He has, He is, and He will. But I'll tell you what I find, I believe, I believe that God's, the, the strange work for God is judgment. It's not that he won't do it. He'd just rather grace somebody. He'd just rather save somebody. If you look at verses 54 through 49 or 59, you'll find some things. Now listen, listen, to, listen, to, listen to the paradox of this. Listen to, to the amazingly significant paradox of this. I was looking out my window this morning, due east. That's where my study is. On the side of the house, I've got a window that is due east. I watch the sun in, 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 the, in the summer rise here, and in the winter it rises over there. And I watch the trek from, from winter to, uh, to spring and fall go that way, and, and from summer to fall to winter to go that way. It's amazing to watch it across, across my study room. And you know what happened this morning? Right after the break of day, I looked out my window, and it was a blaze of red. Y'all know what that old saying is? Red skies in the morning, sailor take warning. Red skies at night, sailor's delight. That's what Jesus is saying here in chapter uh, 12, verses 44 or 54 and 55. He said, now listen. You have the ability and the sense to be able to discern the weather. Look, if the wind's blowing out of the west, it's going to rain. If it's coming out, coming out of the south, the west is that way, the south is that way, the east is that way, the north is that way. So if it's coming out of the west, it's going to rain. If it's coming out of the south, there's going to be heat. 
right? That's what the Word of God says. Look with me. I hate to do you this way, but I'm just preaching the Word of God. Look at verse 56, you hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and the earth, but how is it you're not discerning the times? Hey, listen, folks. There's a lot of people that are blind. There's a lot of people that say they've got light and actually have nothing but darkness for light. I go by a church every time, and I use the word church lightly, I go in out Woodward Drive. It is a, quote, gay church, pastored by a gay woman with a gay congregation. Are y'all listening? I feel sorry for them. And when I go by that church, one night God said, if the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Isn't it awful to think that you've got light when in reality you're in darkness and you think it's light? God help us, folks. Hey, listen, there's people in our world a mess. I'd like to get a message to them. I'd like to be able to tell them the truth. I'd like to be able to tell them God loves you, but God loves you according to His standards and not yours. I don't want to be mean and ugly to them. It breaks my heart to think that they think that it's well with their soul. And if I read my Bible right, and they'll say, you don't, then somebody's in trouble. Somebody's wrong. Be right. And look, go ahead, Judy. Thank you for waiting. Look at 57, 58, 59, and I'll quit. So when thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, as thou art in the way, give diligently that thou mayest be Delivered from him, lest he held thee to the judge. The judge delivered thee to the officer. An officer put thee in prison. I tell you, thou shalt not depart till thou hast paid the very last might. You, you know what Jesus is saying this? You know, you know what Jesus is saying? You've, you've got sense enough to be able to, to discern the weather. To be able to look at the sky and see what's going on. He says, God has given you a warning in this passage, in this parable, in this chapter, in this message that God has laid on my heart to preach to you today. That if you would be wise, you would implement what you've heard. You, 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 you'd realize that you're on your way to judgment. You'd realize you're on your way to eternity. You'd realize that you're on your way, friend, to your destiny. And your choice determines, your decision determines your destiny. So look, 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 here's the key. So while you're on your way, did y'all hear that? If you're in the way going toward the magistrate, you've got some, you know what you need to do? Somebody got a case against you, talk to them, say, can we settle this before we get there? Let's settle it out of court. You know the best place to settle your case with God is at an altar of prayer. Just, just admit that you're wrong. Say, how can we get this right? What can I do? Yeah, God, I, I, I'm playing the hypocrite. I'm wearing the mask. If people knew me, who, uh, who I really am, what I know myself to be, I'd be embarrassed. They'd be surprised. But can I tell you what? They'd love you, friend, for saying, hey, this person's getting it right. Thank God we love them. Loved you before that. Loved you now that. Will you heed the warning? Are you ready? Look, friend, if you're not waiting for him, if you're not watching for him, if you're not working for him, if you're not going to heed the warning for him, you're not ready. And one of these days, 
when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, like the song says, although it's not uh, theologically correct, time shall be no more. One of these days, the door of God's mercy is going to close. And it's up to you whether you're ready. Y'all remember playing hide and seek? And when you're supposed to pray to 10 or 100, did anybody ever honestly pray to 100? I mean, come on. We'd always end, ready or not, here I come. Are you ready? Every head bowed, no head bowed.